Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Now it's time to take a sports break, a look at sports history on a daily basis. Hello, my friends of sports history. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. Welcome once again to the Pig Pen, your place for all things great in sports history. And welcome to your sports break for April 21st, as we are going to talk about some of the great events and people associated with the date of April 21st. But before we do, let's talk about a daily newsletter we have. It comes out each and every day, tells you all about sports history, much of what we're going to be talking about here in this podcast as well. And as a matter of fact, it has this podcast in the newsletter. It's a great link and a great way to start your day. Uh, Easy to do. Just sign up for it at the top of Pigskin Dispatch or jerseydispatch.com or at the show notes of this very podcast. You can cancel at any time and it is totally free. And uh, what a great way to start your morning because it's going to be there about 6.30 a.m. Eastern time every day, seven days a week, 365, 366 in leap year. And right there for you to get real easy access. Is this one of the greatest times of the year to be a sports fan? I don't know any better. Maybe in the fall, late fall, when you have basketball and hockey starting up and football's in full swing, still a bit baseball. That's pretty cool. This is a pretty cool time, too, because we have the NBA and NHL playoffs kicking in, and some teams are, the games are really mattering right now in those two leagues. And we're going to talk about those two sports first, but we also have some excitement. The baseball season has just started, and uh, people are still interested. Everybody still in it. Uh, Nobody's in double digits games behind the leader in their division. And uh, so there's still hope and promise and uh, people are starting to learn their players and their new rosters and everything else. The rookies are coming in and playing and just some excitement. But you also have football with the NFL draft that's going to be out in about a week and a half or about a week, I guess, actually. And, uh, you know, so there's some excitement there of seeing these players coming from college and uh, starting their professional journeys and who will your team get? Well, it's also exciting. So we're going to start off this April 21st episode with some hockey and some basketball news because that's the playoffs and that sort of takes precedence. So first of all, we'll start off with some Hockey Hall of Famers that have birthdays. First of all, on April 21st, 1965, in Carmen, Manitoba, Canada, was Hockey Hall of Fame goalie Ed Belfour. Now, Ed played collegiate hockey at the University of North Dakota, where he helped the school win an NCAA championship for the 1986-87 season. Getting into the NHL was not a sure-footed journey, though, as the following year, Belfour signed a free agent contract with the Chicago Blackhawks, but he was bound back down to the lower levels of hockey in the IHL Saginaw Hawks. He played about a split season uh, with both teams and once he established himself in the NHL Hockey League though the, uh, the Ed became known as one of the best goaltenders of all time. His 484 wins rank him fifth all time among NHL netminders and Belfort also played with the San Jose Sharks, Dallas Stars Toronto Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers. He was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in the 2000 2011 class and uh, he most famously for most of his career wore number 30 on his NHL sweater. Now we also have 
Michel Goulet, who was born on April 21st, 1960 in Parabanca, Quebec. And uh, he is a Hall of Fame left wing and uh, left-handed skater that played in the NHL with the Quebec Nordiques and the Chicago Blackhawks in the National Hockey League. He was also a two-time Canada Cup champion with Team Canada. He's inducted in the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1998, and Michel is one of the top scorers during the 1980s. He achieved 50 goals in a season in four consecutive years, starting with a 1982-83 and 83 season. Now let's jump to one of our favorite sites we like to go to for some inspiration, and that's VintageHockeyJerseys.com. They have a great uh, show there, a great display of some excellent uh, events that happen by the date of the year uh, in hockey history. And we grabbed a couple of those to, to share with you today and added some jersey numbers to it to give us our jersey dispatch flair. On April 21st, 1945, the Detroit Red Wings defeated the Toronto Maple Leafs one to nothing in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals on Mud Bratino's goal at 14-16 of overtime. Now, rookie goalie Harry Lumley scored his second career playoff shutout and the Wings had a 1-0 win at Toronto. Now, that's, uh, you know, just some great hockey there. But 1945, we really don't have the, the jersey numbers uh, available to us. So we like to use uh, HockeyReference.com. And I think it's like before 1955 or so, you cannot get the jersey numbers available yet. April 21st, 1978, there's a year where we can get some jersey numbers, and that's part of the World Hockey Association, the WHA. It was the Hartford Whalers, Gordie Howe, number nine, scored on the first shift against the Edmonton Oilers minutes after finding out that he had become a grandfather. So old Gramps Gordie Howe scores a goal in the Hartford Whalers uh, victory that they had on that day. And that's your hockey for today. Now we'll go into the NBA and we have some great events that happened in basketball history in the NBA as we go to NBA.com and they have a great spot on their website that tells us some history of each day of the year and April 21st 1970 is one of these inspirational uh, events and the Boston Celtics great number 14 Bob Cousy and Bob Pettit number nine of the St. Louis Hawks they were both inducted in a Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield Massachusetts now we have much more on both of these bobs uh, on jerseydispatch.com just go to the april 21st link and click on their names or go in the search box on any page on jerseydispatch.com and type in their names and uh, click it and voila you will have instant access to a lot of information on bob Cousy and bob pettit and their great nba careers Another event from NBA.com, April 21st, 1996, the Houston Rockets big man, one of my favorites all time, number 34, Hakeem Olajuwon, blocked three shots in the Rockets season-ending 118-110 victory over the Phoenix Suns to reach 3,190 career blocks for Olajuwon, giving him the all-time record, surpassing number 33, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's previous mark by just one block. So that's uh, some amazing NBA news and H NHL news. And uh, we're going to come back with some baseball and football right after this. <laughs> 
All right, as promised, we are going to bring you some great football and baseball history for this April 21st. And we'll start off over on pigskindispatch.com and the football history headlines for the day, uh, April 21st, 1888, and just the school's third contest on the football field, the University of Notre Dame dropped a game to the University of Michigan on this day, 4-10 to 10 at Greenstocking Ballpark in South Bend, Indiana. Now you're saying, what was this, a spring game? Well, this is 1888. It wasn't established that football was a fall sport. Heck, the sport was only about eight years old, for real, of uh, you know, American football when the, 19, or the 1880 rules of Walter Camp and company started to come in to transform rugby and soccer into American football. And uh, they didn't know really when to play. They just played when the weather was nice and it happened to be nice in April 21st and they played the University of Michigan. So they also had a great event happen on April 21st, 1944 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Chicago Cardinals agreed to merge for the 1944 NFL season. The Cardinals and the Steelers were granted permission to merge for one year under the name of Card Pitt. Now, on this day, as the article says, the league was asked that the two merge in a way to avoid schedule conflicts with the odd numbers of 11 teams in the National Football League. Phil Handler of the Cardinals and Walt Kiesling of the Steelers served as co-coaches. The Steelers made it perfectly clear that they wanted to play as a single team without a merger in the 1945 season as they had played and with a merged team with Philadelphia the year prior. The merger automatically dissolved the last day of the season on December 3rd, 1944. Now the league's owners went back into scheduling the 1944 season after the merger was agreed upon and approved. In other spring owners meeting news, a proposal to alternate the league headquarters between Chicago and New York for five-year periods was shot down via votes from the Western clubs. Now, if you want to be able to read through some of these old articles like the St. Louis Post-Dispatch that we got this from, you want to check out newspapers.com. That's where we got this information from, and what a great resource for so much research that you want to do. Now, April 21st, 1991 was the NFL Draft. The University of Miami defensive tackle Russell Maryland was the first pick by the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Pro Football Reference says that the Hall of Fame players from this class were Brett Favre, selected with a 33rd pick by the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, that's right, it wasn't Green Bay. And the Cardinals with the 59th pick of Aeneas Williams. Some great Hall of Famers there. April 21st, 2001, we had another NFL draft. Yes, this one took place in 2001. And Virginia Tech quarterback Michael Vick was the first overall selection by the Atlanta Falcons. Hall of Famers from this class so far, according to the Pro Football Reference website, are LaDainian Tomlinson, who was the fifth overall selection by the San Diego Chargers, and Seattle Seahawks' choice of Steve Hutchinson with the 17th pick on 2021 on the 21st of April per an NFL.com story by Kevin Patara. Now the NFL Network's Tom Palariso reported that the NFL owners approved of the proposal on changes to jersey numbers per sources informed of the situation. The proposal submitted by the Kansas City Chiefs adjusted the restrictions on who can wear which jersey numbers. Specifically, the approval unlocks a number of players eligible to wear single-digit numbers, which had previously been relegated to quarterbacks, kickers, and punters. 
Now the rules will allow running backs, fullbacks, halfbacks, receivers, and tight ends, any of those eligible receivers, to wear the numbers 1 through 49 and 80 through 89. Now it was a temporary rule allowed during the 2020 season and expanded to practice squads due to COVID-19 protocols. But now, as it is in this modern day, it's good to go. And they've even expanded that a little bit more by allowing the number zero here in 2023 uh, at some owners' meetings. So we talked about that a few weeks ago. Now, we have some Hall of Fame birthdays from the realm of football. In April 21st, 1898, that birthday belongs to a gentleman who was born in Cleo Springs, Oklahoma, the great head coach and defensive star of the 1920 New York Giants. You got it, Steve Owen was born. According to the Pro Football Hall of Fame website, Steve played for a short while with the Cleveland Bulldogs. Then he was sold to the New York Giants in 1926 for the sum of $500. Owen played seven seasons with the Giants from 1926 to 1931 and in 1933 as well. In 1930, he was both a player and the team's co-coach. Although he continued to play, he was named the sole head coach in 1931. And it was the 1933 season when he hung up the cleats and put his full effort into coaching the team. Coached for 24 seasons from 1930 to 1953 and on just a handshake. And he never once signed a contract with the Maras, the family that owned the Giants. That is just unbelievable. We have so much more on Steve Owen on Pigskin Dispatch for this April 21st day. So make sure you check that out. And Steve Owen was enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in the year 1966. On April 21st, 1906, another birthday. This one belonged to Ken Strong, who was born in West Haven, Connecticut. He was the New York University halfback from 1926 to 1928. And the National Football Foundation tells us of how Ken put a damper into the cheering section of his school after they would fire off a shot, a cannon, every time New York University scored. Now, Ken exceeded their expectations, and they ran out of gunpowder before the season's end because he scored so often with such frequency he had a hard time having enough uh, time to reload the cannon as a senior in 1928 Kent strong went off like a scoring rampage where he manufactured 162 points and a national scoring title he amassed more than 2,000 yards and earned all american honors for the season and ken strong received the great honor of being selected for inclusion into the college football hall of fame in 1957 then he turned pro, and he picked up where he left off in college, excelling in almost every phase of the game, according to the Pro Football Hall of Fame's website on him. He could run, block, pass, tackle, kick, and punt extremely well. Now, Strong is remembered to have scored 17 points in a 1934 NFL championship game, often remembered as the Sneakers game. We have more in the Sneakers game at Pigskin Dispatch. Just put that into the search field up in the top right, and you'll see some great results there. Uh, it led to the New York Giants in the contest to a 30-13 victory over the Chicago Bears. And he, Ken was, uh, you know, sent enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1967, so he's in both the college and the professional football hall of fame. And finally, in birthdays, we have April 21st, 1980, San Diego, California. Tony Romo, the highly efficient signal caller of the Eastern Illinois teams of 1999 through 2002, was born. 
Tony, according to the NFF, won the 2002 Walter Payton Award as he was the top player in football championship subdivision, the FCS, therefore goes down as one of the greatest players in Eastern Illinois history. Romo was a first-team All-American in 2002 after he set conference and school records for 34 single-season and career 85 touchdown passes. Tony Romo received the great honor of being selected for inclusion in the College Football Hall of Fame in 2021, and he ended up being uh, undrafted in 2003, but would t- put together a tremendous NFL career by being signed as a free agent by the Dallas Cowboys from 2003 to 2016, a four-time Pro Bowl selection, and holds Cowboy records for career passing yardage and passing touchdowns, and now is one of the top broadcasters for CBS. Now it's time for a little bit of baseball. And our first stop in baseball is we're going to go to 80sbaseball.com. Our friend Jay Daniel uh, graciously allows us to look at his site and tell you a few things that he has for the day as he comments on every single day with some brilliant pictures, most of them from baseball cards, and uh, a little bit of uh, captions on each of these two. He talks about a couple big days, among other things, for April 21st. And on April 21st, 1980, George Foster went five for five with a homer and drove in two as the Reds beat the Astros six to five. Now the Reds started off the season with that win 11 and one to open the season but then would lose eight of their next ten to sort of bring them back down to earth a little bit. On April 21st 1982 Cladell Washington's walk-off single and Joe Price gave the Braves a 4-3 win over the Reds and a 13-0 record to begin the season. Atlanta overcame a three-run homer from Larry Blitner to get that victory on that day in April 1982. And we have a Hall of Fame birthday for baseball. Born April 21st, 1947 in Fredericksburg, Virginia was Al Bambry. And I'm sorry, he's not Hall of Fame. He's just uh, maybe Hall of Fame someday. Uh, This famous Major League Baseball center fielder for the Baltimore Orioles and San Diego Padres had his career interrupted a few years while he served in the military fighting in Vietnam. We have so much more on Al Bambry. And I apologize, not in the Baseball Hall of Fame as of yet. And now we go into some of our great events in baseball history. And we're going to start off April 21st, 1898, and the Philadelphia Phillies pitcher Bill Dugglesby smacked a grand slam on the first at bat of his career. Very rare for the first time at bat uh, by a regular, but for a pitcher, it's even more uncommon, and it's almost unheard of, and that's what Bill Dugglesby did on, in 1898 on this date. Now, April 21st, 1904. This guy's a legend. Ty Cobb made his professional baseball de- debut for Augusta, Georgia, a minor league team in the South Atlantic League at the time. We know he went on to have a brilliant career. And in April 21st, 1977, legendary manager Billy Martin reportedly pulled his New York Yankees lineup out of a hat. Funny thing is that it didn't matter, as the Yanks still won over the Toronto Blue Jays by the score of 8-6. The Yankees would retire the uniform number one in honor of Billy Martin. Now here's a couple more baseball events. These ones come from this Day in Baseball History website. On April 21st, 1951, Pittsburgh, led by number 18, Gus Bell, who crushed a home run, hit three doubles and a single, helped the Pirates defeat the Cincinnati Reds by the score of 7-5 at Crosley Field. Bell, a four-time All-Star outfielder, would spend his first three seasons in the majors with the Pirates before 
joining that team that he beat in that day in 1951, the Reds, for nine more years after that. And I believe he went to another team even after the Reds. April 21st, 1971, speaking of the Pirates, how about number eight, Willie Stargell, hitting three home runs, leading the Pittsburgh Pirates to a 10-2 victory over the Atlanta Braves. Stargell, who also hit three home runs in Atlanta on April 10th, set a Major League Baseball record, which has since been broken for the most home runs in April with 11, but six of those in just two games. So... That is your sports history, your baseball history, football history, your NHL and NBA history, and your overall just good feeling about sports here on your sports break. And we hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you'll join us each and every day for some more great sports history as we try to bring it to you and try to do it historically accurate, visiting all around the web with some of these great sites that we mentioned. As you said, we want to thank 80sbaseball.com, thisdayinbaseball.com. VintageHockeyJerseys.com and of course NBA.com as well as our website SportsJerseyDispatch at the JerseyDispatch.com and PigskinDispatch.com on this day.com and the sports reference websites. So till tomorrow everybody have a great sports history day. Sorry but my pitching coach just called timeout and he's coming out to the mound. I think I'm going to get yanked for a reliever. We'll see you back tomorrow for some more great sports history on Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We invite you to check out our websites, jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. Not only see the daily sports history, but to experience the preservation of great events and people that play the games. Find us on Pigskin Dispatch. It's also on social media outlets of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel. Get all your daily sports history. Pigskin Dispatch is happy to be associated with the Sports History Network, the sports headquarters of yesteryear, found at sportshistorynetwork.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.